to another episode Behind the Vinyl with Darren and Nicholas. Thanks for thanks for coming on Behind the Vinyl. Um, you've got a new record out um, for the love of metal live. Uh, obviously, for the love of metal was um, uh, Jamie Jaster. Shout out to Jamie Jaster. Threw down the gauntlet to you to kind of step up and um, like. I think he's a massively underrated uh, person within music, full stop, Jamie. And it's so great that he, he threw props to you and threw it down. He, I don't know how underrated he is, certainly is limited by his music form. You know, I mean, and, and, and no, no discredit to Hatebreed. I love Hatebreed. But it's his music form doesn't have crossover appeal, you know, where he'd be known on a broader level. I mean... He's most crossover came from being the host of Headbangers Ball. You know, that's where more like I'll when I'm talking to people who aren't into hard music, really hard music. I'll say Jamie Jasta, you know, Hatebreed. And I'll say the host of Headbangers Ball. Go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know him, you know. So uh, but he really is talented and he's a real true fan of metal in all in all forms. And he and I asked him, I said, was this the first time you ever did this? He said, I've tried to, you know, taking a heritage artist. He said, I've tried it with other people, but nobody either accepted the challenge or was able to deliver what yeah. we needed to do. So, but he was a godsend for me. Yeah, it, well, you know, the result was amazing. Um, but why, why did you take him up on the challenge? Because I, I really, truly love metal. I'm a metalhead and I'm a fan of I believe in the music form, uh, in all of its forms. I've championed and supported for years. And I'm, thanks to my kids who are now grown but still metalheads, they kept me connected to what was going on through the eight to the 90s and t- 2000s and going to shows. And, you know, and I knew there was great music out there. And I would see this energy and want to be a part of it. But I felt like I was, you know, just a relic. You know, I mean, I'd go to these festivals and meet these young bands and, you know, bring me, I'm talking, now this is a few years ago, but bring me the Horizon. They were young bands then. And, you know, at Parkway Drive and and, uh, asking Alexandria, you know, and they were all reacting, oh, gee, Snyder, so great to meet you. And I'd watch them and go, God, I wish I want to be a part of that, but I'm this thing from the past. And then Jamie showed me a way to be more connected to what's going on today. You know, to, to put out Prove Me Wrong and see it just being added to the modern metal charts that, that are out there immediately with all the, the new bands, it was like the greatest feeling in the world for me. It made me feel, I feel like I have something to offer. And with Jamie, he, he, he helped show me I could. Yeah. Well, will you do another album with Jasta? I would love to. I think we will. And I use the word think because this is a very, things are, God, things are, are in, uh, in flux. You know, I was supposed to be directing my first feature film in May. That got, and was part of the reason why I took 2020 off. People think I'm like Nostradamus. I took off 2020 so I could fo- focus on my writing and movies and stuff. And then everybody took off 2020. But it kind of... <laughs> it's kind of fucked my schedule with uh, my movie and right now so I'm waiting to start filming but it's going to be later in the year so everything's got pushed back and I really want to 
direct this movie I wrote called uh, My Enemy's Enemy. But then since then, I've been offered two more direction, directorial jobs in two other horror films. And there's a good chance I'm going to, one of them I'm writing, the other, well, actually, I'm writing both of them if they all come through. And I'm really writing as like a, a writing like screenplays. I just wrote my first novel. It's something I really am moving into because it completely liberates me from my age, my color, my lifestyle, anything. I just, as long as I'm good on paper, I can, I can exist, you know, I can be a writer and a director. So I'm headed more there. Um, so I don't know what the future holds musically, but if it holds anything, it holds continuing. And that's what proved me wrong was that was not an outtake from the last album. That was a new song by Charlie Bellmore and myself, my guitar player, Charlie. And I just want to say, this is where I am at. This is what I'm doing. And this is what I will continue to do and promote and the direction I'll continue to move in musically uh, as I move forward musically. But, you know, when you get to be 65 and now you're talking about three movies, you say, well, when are you going to get back to this? I don't know.
At 65 and you're writing a song like Prove Me Wrong, it's it's definitely as cutting edge as anything that uh, Parkway Drive or Avenged Sevenfold is doing. It's it's right up there with it for sure. Well, you know, that, and that's where I want to be. I love these bands, you know, and uh, and God bless my, my kids. I think a lot of the older musicians that, well, first of all, I used to hear all the time how metal musicians' kids weren't metalheads. And I was yeah. like, oh, my God, that's like the worst. Po- that's a nightmare. Uh, and all my kids were metalheads. So going to shows with them kept me connected, you know, to what was going on. And, you know, and, and working with the younger bands and meeting the younger bands and dealing with them and listening. So uh, my, and my daughter, my, my youngest, she's 23 now. She is the most brutal of all. She is so fucking heavy. Uh, I mean, when I when when Justin met her and saw her playlist on her, he just went, "Holy fuck!" She like <laughs> buries me, buries me. He goes, "She is so brutal, none more brutal." And so when we were re- recording the Love of Metal, he would run everything past her. He everything we did, he would go, "Did you play it for Shy?" And I say, uh, "What she think?" He say, "Yeah." What she think? She said it was fucking hard. She goes, "Yes, all right, all right." Like if Cheyenne didn't approve, Jamie was shaken. So, uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, there was the breakdown in To Love a Metal. That was because of Shy. And on the live video, you hear me say, this is the Shy dirty breakdown. Because uh, she, when she, when, um, when uh, I played her for Love of Metal, he, he said, tell Jamie it needs a dirty breakdown. And I said, what's a dirty breakdown? He said, he'll know what a dirty breakdown is. She said, I want to <laughs> hear, hear the ting. She says, I want to hear the ting on the ride symbol, you know, ting, you know. So I went to Jamie. I said, Jamie, Shai says it needs a dirty breakdown. He said, fuck, guys, it needs a dirty, it needs a dirty <laughs> breakdown. So this is, this is, my daughter has been also my guiding light. My daughter, Shai, and, and, and Jamie Josta. Was, was, um, was it Cheyenne that used to ask you to, like, you used to take her to gigs and she used to ask you to take her backstage and, and, uh, and and you'd take it backstage to introduce the bands to? All the kids uh, would do kids. that. But Cheyenne was the one, she liked the most brutal music, and she wanted to start going at 13 years old, 12 years old, 14. She wanted to be not only at these hardcore shows, but she wanted to be in the front, in the, like, in the, in the not in the pit, but right at the front of the barricade. But you're getting crushed. People are getting killed. So yeah. I would... I couldn't figure out how do I put my daughter, she's, you know, my little daughter, but she was so hardcore and I didn't want to discourage her. So we would get to the shows before the doors open and I can go in 
And then I bring her up there and to the front before anybody opened the doors. And I say to the security, hey, guy, D, what's up? What's up? I said, this is my daughter. Don't let anybody kick her in the head. And so, <laughs> and, and so she'd always be like right at the front in the, in the middle of the action. And the security guards would be passing people over her head to make sure she didn't get hurt because they didn't want it to answer to me because I'd be standing over on the side watching. Yeah, you fucking let her get kicked. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she she had to go to the most brutal shows. And, uh, and you know, and like that's why, I, like, like I said, I, I, I owe her for just keeping me connected. It's called I Am The Hurricane! There is despair coming off your skin. I can smell it when you say my name. You love to gamble, but you never win. You lost it all The end begins Your life and death are one in the same There's nothing left but all your sin The wind is screaming, is screaming your name It sounds like fear Your death rattle is all that remains No one will shed a tear I am a force of nature Destroy your great desire 
from Twisted's first record. Under the Blade! Of steel, a flash of light. You know you're not going home tonight. The injector switch doctors of mine. No way to run, the way you'll find. Can't escape from the pain you made. When the time has come, you'll accept long. Alright, not stop. Get your horns in the air. Your mind, I like to take your cover again. Please don't arrive. 
dude, at at 65 and listening to all the projects you, you got going on, I mean, I'm 49. I get exhausted just listening to all the stuff you're doing. Where do you find the energy? You know, um, I don't do much else, uh, but also, I mean, that's not, not true. I mean, I, I told my son, my son's a director. He's got three-picture deal at Warner Brothers, and he's doing his first movie with, um, with Margot Robbie. Uh, and it, and uh, and I and I see them working twenty four seven, and I go, dude, because they see me, and they they would watch me working all the time. But I said, but I always stopped at, at the end of the day. You know, it was like it was like okay, nine to five or whatever you're gonna put on it. But you know, and then I stopped, and it was dinner with the family, and go out go out to a movie. You know, I always I know how to turn it on and off. But I but we we're capable of doing a lot more than we do. You know, and people don't know that. And I, you know, so I just, I'm working on, well, I work on so many screenplays. I just finished my first novel. And I was going to be directing these movies as well. So, and then I've got an animated series um, in development right now with Titmouse. I've got a holiday special with Stupid Buddy uh, right now called The Very Metal Christmas that's being uh, developed right now. So, you know, it's just a matter of allocating time and just keep pushing every, every project forward. So with that said, there should be no reason why I can't do a new record. Oh, by the way, I'm recording um, a holiday Christmas song with Taria. Uh, Taria oh. and I are working on a Christmas song for this holiday season, actually. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. I wrote this song for my wife many years ago that I, you guys may, may or may not know that Celine Dion recorded a Christmas song I wrote. You know yeah. about that? So yeah. uh, I wrote it as a gift for my wife. I never wrote it for commercial purposes. And I can't. It's just out of my range to sing it. But then, uh, you know, my man, long story short, uh, decided to do my own rendition of it. And I asked Taria to sing it as a duet with me because it's got some really high parts in it. So uh, uh, Jeff Pilson yeah, from uh, Dockin and Farner, he's producing it. And uh, working on, we're just finished the tracks right now. So we're going to start doing the vocals. That'll come out later this year. Cool. Um, speak, speaking of being 65 and, and the fact this is a live record, we, we just had Mark Weiss on, uh, you know, a couple of shows ago, he, and he shot the classic uh, Stay Hungry, and you looked great in that. But when we saw you at Sweden Rock Festival maybe two years ago or three years ago, you, you just looked amazing, absolutely amazing. What, what are you doing to stay in shape? Well, it's just, you know, I try to tell people everybody wants to – they want me to tell, tell them there's a magic pill or they either want to hear there's a magic pill or they want to hear that I'm like some, I've, I'm some, I'm some gym rat, you know, four hours a day, five days a week, you know, and I like, it's always so they can say, well, I can't commit that kind of time. Of course he looks that good because look how much time he spends in a gym. You know, as, as I may or may not have told you, the first thing I bought after a house and a car when I struck a rich was a gym. And, um, but that's not the truth. The truth is, I just do a, a little bit consistently, you know, 45 minutes a few days a week, but it's always, and it's a, it's a consistent lifestyle and a consistent uh, diet, you know, and it's not super strict either. It's just, it's a smart, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, so it's, I've, I, and without the drugs and without the alcohol throughout my life, I just didn't, I didn't, you know, I kept myself, I kept it together 
So I may have missed out on some good parties in the 80s, but I have a happier, healthier, longer life than a lot of my peers are going to have, you know? Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, the album. And by the way, by the way, I just want to say to that end, nothing makes me happier uh, than to go out on stage, you know, at this point in my life and, and blow people's minds with my performances. But that said, it's a thing that haunts me as well because I don't, nobody lives forever and nobody goes on forever, you know, and I've already had knee surgery, shoulder surgery, throat surgery, you know, so like, at what point are you unable to entertain at that level? And do I really want to keep doing it after that? So that's another thing I do, I, I'm tortured by. What, right. what, 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 I got two, two favorite D Snyder stories. Um, it was, uh, it was a festival over here called The Lost Weekend, and you guys hit the stage. And I was standing on, so, on the side stage. There was uh, Sebastian Bach up there. There was, um, uh, I think, Deep Purple was up there. And um, there, was a, there was a bunch of other ones. And you kind of softly introduced them. You know, you kind of said, hey, welcome, Sweden. Hey, we, who we got? We got, we got um, Sebastian Bach up there, and we got the, the Deep Purple guys. And then the band started to play. You walked over and said, let's see you follow this, guys. And then you just <laughs> fucking unleashed. You know, it was, it was really cool. Yeah, I like having other bands. Well, first of all, they're always coming up on the stage to watch. I remember um, uh, we were did a show uh, in, oh, fuck, what was it called? It was in Canada. Uh, and it was a uh, big 75,000 people. And um, it was Metallica, Slayer. Uh, Anthrax was there and Twisted was on the bill and people were like uh, like what the fuck is Twisted Sister doing here you know uh, and, and, and I, what the fuck was they show and because it was all these really heavy bands and so I'm headed to the stage and we were going on we weren't closing we were, we were down lower on the bill because it was and I walk up the stage and there's Kerry King waiting up there and I said hey Kerry what are you doing up here he goes I told the guys get up on stage watch what D does <laughs> so and <laughs> When, and I wish I remember the name of the show because it is legend. People said we just everybody expected uh, that we didn't belong there, and we took the day. And then I said, "Follow fucking that." So um, yeah, I, I you know to me, it's it's you could be the best of friends outside of the ring, but when you get that fucking ring, I'm gonna knock you the fuck out, or you knock me the fuck out. I don't care. Make me fucking work. Give the people a show. Love it. Hell, What's the other story? What's the other story? I'm anxious to hear. I, uh, the, the other story there was um, I'm from Australia. So you toured on the Stay Hungry album. Uh, this is a, a story I talk about a lot on the show. Um, <laughs> you, you toured Stay Hungry Australia and my mother wouldn't let me go, but she let my older brother go. But under the, the strict instructions that he must buy me a shirt. And, and the fucker bought me a girl's shirt because he, he hated the sound. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I spent, you know, as a as a 12 or 13 year old kid, I can't remember exactly how old I, I spent the next year and a half, two years walking around in a in a girl's twisted sister shirt. <laughs> oh, but but who's more metal, you or your brother? Well, there you go. There, there you, go. you go. He works in a bank, and and I don't. Yeah. So and who's more metal? You're more exactly. Yeah. He said. He said you're more metal. <laughs>
35 years of the, uh, the DNRC hearings and, and your uh, sensational takedown there. When you walked in that room, I mean, you must have known that you were just going to take them down. I know that um, they weren't ready for me. I knew that they had no idea what I was going to do. But when I walked in that room, it was, it was all the, you know, I was a cocky fuck. When I watched myself walking in there, I go, look how fucking, how did you even walk with a pair of balls that big? I mean, you can't, <laughs> you, your legs shouldn't be able to function straddling a set of balls like that. And, uh, but when I sat down and looked around, I had that, oh, fuck, what did I get myself into moment? You know, and I was just for a brief, and it's the truth. I, 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 I always admit it because I recovered quickly, but my hands started to shake. And I said, get it together, man. Like, I, I heard my voice yelling inside, like, don't you fucking dare lose it now in front of these fucking people. You know, and, and I stood up. But I knew they, they uh, had no idea how ready I was to take them on. That's for sure. Most of that, that speech you made, I mean, had you been working on that for like a long time? Or was that like just like the first draft you, you made? Why do you sound like Lars Ulrich? <laughs> I do? Shit. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's like talking to Lars. Uh, I've never heard that. Wow. Um, anyway, uh, you know, this is, you know, I took it really seriously. And, you know, uh, you know, I don't know. I, how smart I am, but uh, I'm smarter than most of the other rockers. But that's only by default. Uh, I actually, we worked that. If you watch the video to my right is a dark haired guy with a denim jacket on. He was our tour manager, uh, but he's also a Columbia U University graduate and a rocket scientist. Uh, literally was a rocket scientist who left that business to become a tour manager. And he and I, uh, worked on my speech, uh, Joe Gerber, his name's Joe Gerber, and we rehearsed, we did practice like the questions, you know, like uh, put me on the stand and, and grilled me, and we really got it down to a freaking lethal statement, and I was ready for the Q&A when they fired off questions at me. Uh, just like the one, I remember he said, well, all right, gee, the one thing we can't get around is the name of the fan club. <laughs> <laughs> there's, just, there's just no explaining it and there's no excuse for it so we just you just got to say it just loud and proud so i said what does that stand for mr snyder the sick motherfucking friends with and sister end the story you know but then he said the asshole said to me al gore he goes oh is that a christian organization you know and that's where i said i did the hair the hair toss scene around the world i don't believe it's just the hair I don't believe that profanity and Christianity have anything to do with each other, Senator. Well, that speech effectively saved the day. You know, who, who knows where it would have went to if that would have went bad? You know, I, I, I didn't realize how, you don't realize at the moment how momentous something is and how significant it is, but um, I'm proud to have represented. I tried to to represent myself. You know, I, I got a lot of flack afterwards. Uh, you know, people saying, who is he to speak for, 
for you know all the rock bands. And I didn't. The first thing I said was, I can't speak for anybody but myself. That's the first thing I said. You know, um, but as time has gone on, it's really shown itself to be. Uh, it's been re- appreciated, and it's shown itself to be an important moment in rock and roll and in in censorship, in a fight against censorship. This one's for Demo Gear.
Um, so back back a little bit to um, for the love of metal live. Um, it, this it's sprinkled with Twisted Sister songs on this. How, how are you? How do you feel playing Twisted Sister songs not in Twisted Sister? How does it feel? Well, it's you know, first of all, um, I think I'd have trouble uh, doing a show without them. <laughs> and with that trouble meaning people would be angry with me. Also, you know, as the as a soul songwriter and yep. Twisted Sister, I you know I, I mean I don't I feel a connection to them that they're children of mine and that I am entitled to play them. But also, you know, um, it's 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 amazing to have new music that is connect, finally, and I've tried a lot over the years and not connected, and finally found a, a, a sound and connected with my old fans, with new fans, with new music that people want to hear me play. So um, the real challenge was to see if it, we could make it work. And my guys, to their credit, um, my band, and it, you know, it started as a bunch of sidemen, and it really turned into a band. And over the two years we played together, we are a band. They are my band, and uh, and they're amazing. As my as my wife came up to me, Suzette, uh, she said she'd been there, you know, since day one. And this was like, you know, after about a year, she said, you know, they're not much to look at, but they kick ass. <laughs> She's really old school, you know, likes the old '80s hair thing, but they really kick ass. And um, but they, you know, with the detuning of all the songs, and when you listen, they. I'm listening back going, hey, you guys are adding some chugs in there. You know, you're adding a little bit of like, doo, 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 doo. it wasn't there before. And, uh, and they're doing some stuff. And, and the stuff, I think it, it works. It sounds good together and uh, for the most part. And we also picked a lot of the more metallic songs, Under the yep. Play, Burning Hell, Can't Stop Rock and Roll, Fire Still Burns. So they, you know, because Twisted did have a very metallic side that gets forgotten by a lot of people. Well, that's 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 heavy as hell. Burn like burn in hell. Um, yeah, you can't stop rock and roll. They're, they're heavy songs. And and you know and I and that's the thing. You know, I am a day one metalhead. I truly uh, am a fan of the genre. I was you know uh, first out day one first Sabbath album, day one first Zeppelin album, day one first Grand Funk album, day one first Blue Cheer album. I'm OG. But when I joined Twisted Sister, and, and it's not a but. It's, I'm also a Glitter Rock fan. Bowie, Alice Cooper, Martha Hoople, Slade. I love that early set, New York Dolls. I love that stuff. So when I joined Twisted Sister, who were a New York Dolls clone, not clone, but they were inspired by the New York Dolls, they were all about that glitter thing, you know? And I loved it. I was like, great. But I also had this love of metal. So my, as a writer, my Twisted Sister writing was a mixture of that Alice Cooper metal, you know, heavy metal, Slade, all mixed into one, you know, and that was the Twisted Sister sound. So some of our stuff was very heavy, and I love the fact that it's only Burning Hell gets such respect in the metal community for being as fucking hard as it is. Yep. yep. Which Twisted Sister album would you say has meant the, has meant the most to you throughout all the years? I hope people don't get it. <laughs> they don't get it. But um, my favorite Twisted Sister album is You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. Right. Great. Um, Love it. Under the Blade was, uh, was made up almost entirely of songs that we played in the clubs, in the bars. And nothing wrong with that. 
but it was uh, and it was done very quickly in a barn in uh, you know we, it was really a studio. We had a mobile unit in a barn in Cookham, England. Uh, so it was really it was really a, like our bar record. When we got to now as uh, Can't Stop Rock and Roll, I finally was writing for an album as opposed to writing to play songs in a club. And not to belittle, you can't stop, um, Under the Blade. Fucking, you know, I play that song every fucking night. I love that album. But I finally was able to, to focus on writing and recording as a recording artist for the first time. And, um, and, I, and, 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 and You Can't Stop Rock and Roll is the result of that. And it's very metallic record, uh, more metallic in many ways. And, um, you know, and I really just feel that that was, and also the band was, we were living together, we were sharing everything together, we were very, very unified on that record, and I just have a love for it. Yeah. 
I'm gonna take these out. And I wanna hear Bloodstock, loud and proud, just you and me, here we go. One, two, three, four, when I'm gonna take it, come on. It's funny at the top of the top of the chat you said uh, Jamie Jaster had limitations in regard to his music. Um, Twisted Sister, in a different way, had limitations. Obviously, the you know um, I want to rock and we're not going to take it was so big, but really you're a, you're a basically a punky kind of um, hardcore band of the day, like fighting and and living in the in the in the pubs. Yeah, you know what? And you're right. We, we, and that was a frustration for me. Are you still there? You're still there. You could. Yep, uh, I'm just sending my, my, uh, my agent a note that I'm just running a little late. Um, that was a real frustration for me because I wanted Twisted to be everything. You know, you mentioned Punky. Uh, uh, you know, I, 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 if I didn't mention the Sex Pistols as an influence, I'd be a miss because that was, they were, uh, I, punk, I loved punk as well. And that was there as well. Um, and I thought that we could be everything, you know, that on one album you would hear, you know, uh, you would hear a song like We're Not Gonna Take It and a song like Burning Hell. You would hear a song like I Am On Me and you hear I Can't, can't Stop Rock and Roll. You know, like that we could be all things. But what happened was, and this is partially due to the change in MTV brought, you know, videos brought, um, you started to be defined by one or two songs. And we became defined by the teen anthems. And that was just what we were. And uh, so it, it, was a, it was a real frustration to me, a frustration to the band, because we knew we were heavier than that. And like people saw that. That's what, you know, when, and, and that's when we went out of that show. And, oh, oh, it was, it was um, uh, Montreal. Um, fuck. It was in Montreal. What the fuck is that festival? And with Metallica and Slayer and Anthrax and took the fucking day because nobody, they said, holy fuck, these guys are way heavier than we thought they were. You know, but you know, live was a whole different animal for us. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you look at an album like Come Out and Play, which is 35 years old this year? Well, Lars, um, I really, uh, <laughs> I, 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 that, you know, that's another um, favorite album of mine. Um, and that, that was where I really had the finances, the time uh, to do something that was, I, I was a concept from the, you know, the, the music to the album cover to the videos 
to the stage show, which you guys never got to see the full-blown stage show, but it was an ill-fated project. Um, again, I thought we could be everything and do a leader of the pack and do a fire still burns and the same record and be appreciated and respected for both. But we had already, unbeknownst to me, we had moved on to becoming a pop band by that point. People were viewing us as a pop band and, uh, and we no longer were being accepted or recognized by the metal community and they didn't want, you know, it was just, and, and we, by that, by the time that happened, it was the beginning of the end for the band. The band was coming up and we were also coming apart uh, as a band by that point, very much so. We were, you know, we, we weren't, it was, it was, things were going south. I got to wrap it up guys. Any last question? Yeah, I, I got one just quickly. Um, ACDC, you, you covered uh, Highway to Hell. Did you, was there any thoughts ever to throw your hat in the ring when they were looking for a new lead singer? Oh, my God. I would. Thank you. That's a, that's a big compliment. Bon Scott was like the final piece in, the, in, in sorting out what my vocal sound would be. There was Alice and there was Dio and there was all these other influences. But when I heard Bon, that snotty, you know, that snotty, she got balls. I mean, that nasally, whatever he had going on. I was like, ah, and that's the last piece I need. So huge, huge influence. Um, I knew one, I, I have one thing, one major strike against me. I'm too tall. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, the youngs are all under five feet. And I understand that they're not crazy about people who are bigger than, much bigger than them. So, uh, I mean, Bond would have to be like 5'4". I mean, so, and he was the tall one. So, uh, yeah. So, I, didn't, I knew that you know, at 6'1", in flats, I said, yeah, is, is it not, I'm not even going to mention it. Love it. Um, for the Love of Metal Live, um, everyone go check it out. Uh, Dee, thanks for your time. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Know, you. I just want to say one last thing. And if I didn't say it before, I'll say it again. I am not Notre Dame. Uh, I did not. I, I took off 2020 to work on my on writing. Uh, and I had no idea there was going to be a pandemic that was going to stop every make everybody take off 2020. And well, my manager said, well, what are we going to do for 2020? I said, well, what about a live album? Well, it couldn't be a better year for a live album, sadly, since there's no concert. So enjoy last year's festivals until next time. Love it. Excellent. Okay, man. Thank, thanks, guys. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to rock! I want to rock! I want to rock! Go! All the way to the back, my friends, I see you, i
want to be official, Mother Nature, you're not a cunt. Thank you for this beautiful fucking day with my friends. Hey, boys, we don't got a lot of time. Charlie, get out here. Russ, get out here. Taz, get out here. I want to see how loud you can be. Just you and me. Taking out these stupid fucking inner ears so I can hear you. Let me hear you one time. Just testing this shit. I want to run. Fuck. Fuck. Stop playing a second. Stop playing a second. You hear how loud that shit is? All right, well, watch this. They weren't here with Twisted, so they don't know about this. Watch this. This is fucking Bloodstock, boys. Last time I was here, I said, you know, saying rock's cool, but it's Bloodstock. You got to say it like fucking death metal. Fucking like evil. Watch these motherfuckers. <laughs> Are you ready? Remember last time? Only better. Give me your best fucking death rock, fucking death metal rock. Here we go. Actually, it shouldn't be a K, it should be. <laughs> I was talking to Cradle of Filth. <laughs> okay. I don't know what the fuck he said. But he told me he was a fan. <laughs> All right. Whatever you fucking say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't got time for this shit. All right, get, stop playing again. All right. All right, big finish, big ending. Bloodstock, thank you so much. I'll always remember this day. I promise you I'll never forget. <laughs> this is it, boys. 